Welcome to episode 128 of Telepractice Today with Kim Dutro-Allen and Dr. Todd Houston. Okay, welcome back to another episode. Um, I have to apologize for my voice a little bit. I have a cold, so if you don't hear me very much in the interview or if my voice sounds a little d- bit different, don't call in and diagnose me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> so, but I wanted to share my resource that's been on repeat this week, and it's actually not a digital resource, so I don't have a link for you. But sometimes it's nice to just pull something off of your shelf the way that you would if you were in person and figure out how to use it. So I use the um, What Do You Meme game. Uh, I have the adult version and I've just picked it, strategically picked out cards that are appropriate and aren't appropriate. But I know that there's a kid version too that might give you some more to work with. But what it is, is it just has a lot of pictures of like faces that would go with a meme. And the way I used it in sessions is I have some students working on just engaging in general. I have a student with selective mutism. If anyone has tips, please call in and be on the podcast (laughs) about selective mutism because it's a struggle. Um, And then I have another student that's working on like some reading faces, social skills. So I would just pull out some of the cards that had uh, good facial expressions on it. And I actually used uh, my... I have an external camera, but then I also have my laptop. So I just used my laptop camera as a second camera and kind of held the cards up to that laptop camera and gave my students the structure of the face you make when was the structure of our memes. So I would hold up the picture and say, with the face you make when, and then they'd have to finish the sentence and then we'd take turns picking what we thought the best answer was. So it worked really well for a, like, on the fly, let's just figure out what we can do with this um, activity. And I think as much as, like, I always try to have things scanned and downloaded and have this perfect way to show it on the screen, I also sometimes tell myself that if kids can spend hours watching unboxing videos on YouTube... (laughs) (laughs) then they can watch me with a real object on my side, even if they don't have it on their side. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. If they can do, if they can watch that stuff, they they should be able to, you know, devote themselves to, you know, their attention to some of the things that we need them to do. Yeah. Yep. But it's a great little resource. It's got lots of um, like real life pictures. It does have you can play it the way that you're supposed to play it or you can, Mm -hmm. you know, just use the pictures and adjust it the way you want to. That's a a great. That sounds like a a great game, great activity to do using some of the traditional therapy kinds of things. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um. Another plug, we want to just plug uh, the ASHA convention coming up, right. hoping that we will see lots of our listeners on site in New Orleans, that you and I will be presenting, which yes. is wonderful, and uh, and that we have lots of friends and colleagues who've been on the show who have also, and some who've been on the show, some who have not, but also are presenting, so there's lots of... Uh, Really great representation in the telepractice area. So if you have telepractice in it as an interest, please come on down to New Orleans and let's yeah. uh, 
visit a while down there in New Orleans. <laughs> come come see us and then uh, go see some of the other stuff that's that's happening. Yeah, it'll be great. Um, on the show today, we have Angie Merced, who is the SLP burnout coach. Important topic right now with yep. you know everyone coming out of COVID and everything that's happened over the past two to three years to sort of how do we deal with all this? We've talked about imposter phenomena. Now we're talking about burnout. And so it's great to have Angie on and she's going to give us some strategies of how to deal with burnout in our jobs. So Angie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. And can you explain a little bit more about your background? Oh my goodness. First of all, thank you for having me. I am a speech language pathologist. I uh, I work in the schools, um, but I also have come to be a uh, life coach for SLPs, specifically SLPs in in burnout. Um, you know, when I first started my career, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I first went to college and I went, started going for social work. Mm-hmm. Because that's why I kind of have that passion for uh, just, you know, inquiry and understanding people. And when I got into the social work piece, it just, for me, like I didn't get very far, right? But for me, it was just wasn't, it didn't feel concrete enough. It wasn't mm-hmm. meaty enough for me. So that's when I switched over to speech pathology. And so here I am. <laughs> I've, uh, I've been a uh, SLP for 22 years, uh, work, working in the school system for uh, 14 years. Did my stint of little little stint of of telepractice through through COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my SLP life coaching business is mm-hmm. um, completely telepractice. Uh, and here I am, loving it. <laughs> awesome. So, so let me let me just ask how how you, you started in in social work, kind of looking at that, and then SLP. So, wh- where did you go to school? Just just it's always so interesting. I went to uh, yes, in, in I'm in Western New York. I went to SUNY Geneseo. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point, they don't have their their speech pathology program anymore. Uh, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's where I went to undergrad and graduate school there and loved it. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Unfortunately, some of those programs are, have, are no longer with us um, for different reasons. And so jumping into speech pathology and then going into the schools, I know you, you had that sort of social work sort of exposure, but what made you think, you know, I can I can really focus on my colleagues and really help them manage some of these issues that, that people are facing. How, how did that switch happen? Okay. So that's a bit of a story, right? So I went, I have gone through my own burnout journey, like several, several of them, right? (laughs) Yeah. One point I would say like five to seven years in, Really, if I was honest, I just wanted to quit. I just wanted mm-hmm. to quit mm-hmm. being SLP. And I said, well, I'm going to become a life coach. I took this 
I took trainings. I've taken many trainings. Um, and the, the funny, I was just so disheartened, just so had so much imposter syndrome, mm. so many issues with confidence, feeling mm-hmm. like I didn't know what I was doing, even though it w- I was seven years in and, and just, just the constant daily, I felt drained every mm-hmm. day. It was get it was starting to get, you know, my, the name of my program is called Stop Dreading Mondays because it was starting to get mm-hmm. pretty bad. Like I would find myself like Sunday night, like Sunday nights were really rough. And the then Sunday scaries. I'm familiar mm-hmm. with yes. the Sunday scaries. <laughs> Monday mornings, I was paying the price for my Sunday scary, whatever kind of, you know, overeating or overstaying mm-hmm. up too late and all of that. So, I mean, it really was mentally impacting me. Mm-hmm. And so I said, I'm, I'm going to quit. I'm going to become a, a life coach. You know, I want to help people figure things out and work on self inquiry, inquiry and all that. So in the process of my certification and becoming a life coach, I literally learned the skills of how to recover from my own burnout. Hmm. Interesting. So I thought, you know, by the end of that, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't feeling any urgent need to quit my job anymore. <laughs> there, it just mm-hmm. wasn't, it wasn't there. You know, I was, mm-hmm. I started enjoying my job and actually loving it. And I was like, wow. The, so these are skills that I actually learned. It wasn't just something that happened by accident. <laughs> so these are skills right. that I actually learned. And I said, you know, I want to teach these. Sure. To other people. So that's that's kind of how I got into the life coach side, but still never, but I'm still an SLP. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Wearing these two hats. So I like that idea that you mentioned that it is a set of skills. It's not, I either love my job or I don't and I need to find a new one. Um, and I think that's like, kind of the perspective that most people have is that mm-hmm. it's either I love it or I don't, but that it's a set of skills to figure out how to love your job or to, you know, recover from that burnout. So what are your, what are your tips that you usually give people or what are some quick tips that you usually yeah. give people for that? Okay. I think it's important. So in working with SLPs, I've really, I, I've uncovered what I call three three of the biggest causes of how we get to burnout. And I think that's really, really important Mm -hmm. for us to know and be aware of in order to use the, the, the tips and tricks type stuff. And so really three big patterns that, that have caused that I think have really caused this epidemic of burnout, not just in our field, but education, healthcare, lots of fields. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is is perfectionist programming. You know, I mean, that's how we're taught. Mm-hmm. I right. went through grad school, right? I got the 4.0. <laughs> we're we're taught to we're even if it's not explicitly taught, right? Right. 
inadvertently through our educational system, our family systems, a lot of times our society, we're taught that perfectionist programming. And so we tend to set unrealistic expectations for ourselves, you know, especially when we're out in the real world. Right. And then we push ourselves and we meet that expectation. And then someone else says, Oh, you can do that. How about this? (laughs) And then, Mm -hmm. and then we push ourselves and we try to, so we're constantly trying to live up to those, excuse me, perfectionist fantasies Mm -hmm. and which, which causes tons of procrastination and energy loss and, and burnout really. Um, so it causes us to not only overwork, but also shut down. Mm-hmm. So, uh, there's that, there's that piece. So I think that perfectionist programming is an, is an underlying cause. Um, I think just hyper productivity programming, just that, that I, I like to say like through the industrial revolution, we were, mm-hmm. our, generations were programmed that on some level we've been given the messaging that your worth as a human is based on what you produce Mm. which on the surface level we're like no that's wrong right but that's the subconscious programming that a lot of us are living from and so most slps have massive massive resistance to rest what we find out so even on their downtime it's not really downtime because they're either they're either working or trying to be productive or avoiding being productive which looks like downtime but it's really not because on some level um we it's still there it's still there it's in your head beating up ourselves <laughs> right. you know yeah i'm on the I'm on the couch all weekend, which is fine, right? But in the back of our mind, we're like, yeah, but I should be doing this and I should be mm-hmm. watching mm-hmm. whatever. So and- you don't even enjoy the being on the couch because the shoulds were there the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that is incredibly draining. So not being able to rest because of that hyper productivity program, not only not being able to, but and then also we just don't even prioritize it either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I liked how you talked about, you know, um, having a product too, that we're kind of programmed that uh, uh, ha- what we produce is our worth. And I think in speech pathology, it's hard to see what you've produced. We have so many kids on our caseload and a lot of times like they're not getting better or they're not getting better as fast as we want them to. And so much of that is outside of our control but it feels like it should be in our control. So we're mm-hmm. trying to, you know, produce kids that don't need us anymore, really. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we're never going to get there. So I think that's part of it, too, of like the, the what do they call it? Like the cheese keeps moving <laughs> at the right. end of the maze. Yes. Yes, exactly. exactly. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have a good definition of, you know, mm-hmm. and that's that perfectionist what, fantasy yep. piece. Like, yep. What is the success, right? right? What what yeah. is, you know, how do I know I've accomplished what I want to be as an SLP? Right, right. Yeah. And is that really definable? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
our brain thinks it should be, but it's really not. It's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then the the third the third pattern is uh, people pleasing. I mean, we will. We we are rule followers. Like holy cow! <laughs> Sometimes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll be in a meeting and people are asking questions, and I'm like, I'm thinking, don't ask that. You know the answer. <laughs> They're gonna have to, you know. When we have we have the answers ourselves within us, but we don't trust ourselves enough to trust that, right? And so they get an answer from someone else that might not be as relevant, or it might be like I always say, it might be the by the book answer, but it's not a very functional answer. Right. Um, so that those kind of patterns, just like, you know, don't rock the boat. Don't. Don't try anything different. Don't mm-hmm. say like we, we're scientists. You have to let yourself experiment some mm-hmm. like. Right. But we just like we just are such rule followers that we, we don't want to let our give ourselves the freedom to do that. And so then we don't, we lose trust in ourselves. Yeah. And I think each one of those patterns kind of feeds into the other one too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think especially there's something for, for SLPs, like we just have like the perfect storm of those. (laughs) Like I don't know any SLPs that don't have those on, on some level. And um, so that's why I really feel like um, burnout has become such a big issue in our field. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. So what the, I guess the next question is, what do we, what do we do about it? What can we do personally? What can we do? Is there things that we need to work towards systemically to kind of fix this? <laughs> Yes. So I always, you know, when I, cause I, I work in small groups or individually, the Mm -hmm. SLPs and, and, you know, I always say like, does the collective impact our workloads and impact our, the expectations like abs, of course. Right. But the thing is, is it, on a moment to moment basis, it's not helpful for us to say, well, the system needs to change. Right. Yes. But what are we doing about that that today? (laughs) Right. What are we going to do about that today? So it's, you know, I say it's, it's one SLP at a time. Yep. Taking the bold, making the bold decision to prioritize, you know, there's tons of studies that say, those that practice self-care are less susceptible to burnout. Mm -hmm. It's like, wow, really? (laughs) 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 But, but those three patterns that I mentioned that that's why that's what gets in the way of us boldly, boldly practicing self-care. And a lot of times the the funny thing about self-care especially when you're either headed towards burnout or you're in burnout is it actually doesn't feel good. Like we have, it doesn't feel amazing. Like we have the 
perception or fantasy, right? That it's going to be like bubble bath, you know, all the, all the things It's going to feel amazing. And, and it could be a bubble bath, right? But it's actually going to feel a little uncomfortable, you know, to, to rest. That's why I said SLPs mostly have a, have a massive resistance to rest. Like a lot of times mm-hmm. self-care feels, it feels uncomfortable, which is weird. We don't expect that. So that's one piece. Like it's going to be different. Your, your, your road to recovery, it's going to feel weird. Even though burnout is miserable as well, you're going to be, you know, starting to boldly prioritize your rest, which is going to feel weird at first, right? You're going to be bringing up a lot of the awareness of all those patterns that are in, in there that are stopping you from that rest. And it's like, oh, that's not pretty either. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Um, okay. I'm talking in circles. I also have ADHD too. So <laughs> you'll notice. <laughs> um, where was I going with that? <laughs> okay. Um, one of the, one of the foundational things that I recommend is very simple idea, but most of us aren't doing it. It's just schedule congruence. I call it. So it's like, the, the things that you do at work and even at home, maybe, right? Make a list of all those things. Like just make a running list of all those things. Yes, you're going to get overwhelmed. But the thing is, is you want to make sure those things actually have a, a at least a mental parking spot in your schedule, mm-hmm. which sounds so obvious. But most people aren't doing that. And so we wonder like, oh, I don't have enough time to write these reports. It's like, well, yeah, I have some report writing time in your schedule then. Right. Sounds really simple, but we need to actually do that. So you got to have some schedule congruence. And that's how you can just um, foundationally see, like, do I actually have enough time to do the tasks that I need to do. And then from there, you can prioritize what can I let go of? What, what can I simplify? Then you can apply all those like time management hacks and all that. But first you have to just look at things, give, show yourself what's on your schedule, what's on your to-do list. That's and then, a, and I think, I think that's important too, in the working from home too, because you have to do it a little bit differently. It's not like I go to work at, you know, from nine to five and I'm at the physical place of my work. So I know I can get this done. I know like for me, I send my daughter to a babysitter and I was always only sending her to the babysitter when I had clients scheduled. And then I was like, I don't have any time to do paperwork. I'm like trying to do it while they're sleeping, but then it like makes my brain, you know, be worth thinking about work. And then it takes me two hours after I've put them to bed to wind down. It just like was not working. And I, it was what you talked about seems so simple. You don't have time to do it because you know, it didn't make time to do it. But I finally like had, you know, the, my client load shift and everything shift that I had a like half of a free day. And I was like, 
I know I have this half of a day where I already have the babysitter scheduled, but now I don't have clients. I'm not giving up the free day. And it, it's it's made like a huge difference. And I, But I just think that's so much harder. Something about being at home and doing it makes it so much harder to like carve out that time. Yeah. Yeah. You. Do. That's the perfect example. It's like we don't... <laughs> We don't give ourselves that space. Uh-huh. And that's part of it. So you got to give yourself space for what you w- want to do. Like nobody, do we want to write reports right. on some level? We do, right? <laughs> yes, we do. But um, yeah, we have to give ourselves that space. I know I had a client that was provided teletherapy and for her, like she realized she needed to make time to move her body because she was like, mm-hmm struggling with her body and sitting. So so she made sure like, oh, I have 20 minutes so I can, you know, do whatever. Like she had to put that in there so that she knew she was going to go and she was going to walk for a little bit and then come back. And so, but just re constantly reevaluating the space Mm -hmm. that you need. Mm -hmm. And it's not always comfortable to do that. So, um, a lot of times we need support and for people for, you know, this is just a concrete way to show you, do I have time, the time I need or don't I, and sometimes I've had some clients where it's like, you, you don't have enough time to do this. <laughs> like, you don't have enough time in your schedule. Yeah. Like you hit right. from there, there's that handy ASHA workload calculator. Mm-hmm. That um, it just that just helps give whoever it may be a a really con really concrete data that you've gathered. Something I've um, done too is I've timed myself doing things to know how much time I need the next time I need to do it. So like yesterday, I was working on Medicaid building billing, and I was like, okay, it takes me about ten minutes a day to do this, but I haven't done it for the whole month, so now it's going to take me <laughs> like three hours to do this. But just having that that idea of now I know how long this is going to take me because I've timed myself doing it, and so I know the next time how much time I need to carve out for it. Yes. Good point. And uh I have two things I want to first of all, um, have you heard of Parkinson's law? It says work expands to the time allotted. Right. Right. So and then if you so if you don't allot time, <laughs> it's like right. I always say I used to bring home reports to work on over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. then that report would take all weekend. Long. The whole weekend. So that's right. a mm-hmm. example. That's a perfect example of that, Kim. And the other piece is I do, you know, recommend, you know, chunking things down and deciding on, you know, just using constraint with time. Like, mm-hmm. nope, I'm mm-hmm. doing this in 20 minutes. And just knowing your energy levels and your learning styles too. I, I, you know, for me, I'm not good with long projects. So I know I enter my daily notes, like as I go through my day, as much as I can in little spurts, because it's not a good scene for me to do. 
o'clock or or even my reports and and things like that. I I chunk them up and and break them up in pieces. But just knowing and taking notes about like, oh, how do I work best? How do I mm-hmm. um, you know, how long does this actually take me? Right. And there's something about I use this little timer with a light on it. Sure. So it doesn't buzz. I don't recommend using a phone because you know what happens when you pick up your phone. Like there's no mm-hmm. <laughs> um there's something about knowing that timer's going on off. You know, you set it for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, I'm gonna that's that kind of Pomodoro right. technique, you know, like do some focused work and then give yourself a break. Yeah. I love that technique too. Um the other another, thing about yeah. Go ahead. Well, another strategy. A, a colleague of mine talked, you know, not too long ago to me about some things, but we were sharing similar kinds of frustrations, and he was talking about, you know, how does he manage projects, and he's a university faculty member and research and doing all this other stuff, and so he is in a sense has sort of quantified, you know, his time, how much time he has for the various projects. And so he, what he has to do now is when he gets brought a new project or suggested a new project or something comes across in an email from a colleague or something, he has to evaluate if, you know, if I take on this new thing, what am I going to give up to make that fit? And is giving up something I'm already doing worth this new thing? And so then it's sort of a value judgment. Uh, and, and sometimes it may be worth his while to take on the new project, but then he's putting this other thing on the back burner or he's suspending it for a while because he's still keeping it within the allotted time that he has. And so it was a way of thinking about it in a way a little differently than I had in the past is in other words, when you take on something, what are you giving up? What is it worth giving up to fit that in? And so it it just made me think about some, some uh, added things that keep, you know, getting thrown at you uh, a little differently. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, just giving yourself the opportunity of having that conscious decision that Mm -hmm. you're making. Which I think for most, that's not an easy thing for us to do. We don't like no. making those kinds of decisions, but it's it's worth it. Right. It's kind right. Of yeah. Yeah. Um, totally. The other thing I recommend is actually putting in your, I call it your rest and your relaxation and your goof off time in your schedule first. Like, in your whole schedule, mm-hmm. right? Because most of us just leave those spots open and then inadvertently we just fill them up with other things. Right, right. right. Um, and, you know, for some of my, you know, working, working mamas that I work with, we start with sometimes, well, we've got hopefully some sleep, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, but sometimes we just start with one hour of, you know, we call it, that's your appointment. Like you, you schedule it like you would every week, 
like you would a doctor's appointment or something, and you wouldn't miss that. And learning how to treat, show up for yourself the way you would for someone else. Yeah. And then we try to expand on it from there. Um, But just learning that is, is a skill. It's a skill. Yeah. Very true. Okay. But these are really great suggestions. And, I have and, tons more. But. Tons more. Well, a <laughs> couple, couple of questions. I mean, I think um, so. For one thing that that hits me a little bit, because this is something that recently we, as a faculty uh, at Akron, uh, that we were talking about with our grad students. How can we instill some of this sort of at the graduate level before they even come into the field? Because because we got a sense definitely that our our students were feeling a little overwhelmed. And I think, you know, not trying to diagnose anything, but, you know, just talking with other faculty members, it certainly seems that these are students that are coming into grad school, you know, right after the whole COVID, you know, pandemic even though the pandemic is still going on, you know, we're trying to get back to normal, whatever that is. And so they've been basically online for the past couple of years. Now they're coming back to campus and it's a different way of getting back into that groove. And I think many of them have felt a little overwhelmed about everything (laughs) Uh, with grad school, with trying to get back to some way of, of scheduling their time and and going to classes and projects and clinic and all these things. And, uh, and it's made us take a step back and say, okay, maybe this group is, and, and even future groups, future cohorts will need more support from, from the faculty and what we can do. So are any suggestions that we can sort of instill in these grad students before they leave and go into the field? I mean, I think, uh, I think it's so important for, I will, I will, one, one thing that I really think is important is for, especially for new therapists, but all, all, all of us, right. But remembering mm-hmm. that you're a science, you're, you're a scientist. So that means you're always going to be experimenting with things on some level, because I think we, um, you know, we, we get in the field or even in, in grad school. Right. And we don't want to try things. We don't want to, you know, even just experiment with the, with the tiniest things. And it's hard to, it kind of builds a distrust in ourselves so we're like overworking so that it's right and perfect. Mm-hmm. But where the real learning happens is to give ourselves some wiggle room and give ourselves some space to try things, evaluate it, try, you know, tweak as you go. I think that little piece is really important. Um, 
And I think and then also be, I, I was just thinking as, and as mentors modeling that, like when they ask you a question, be like, I don't know, let's try it and see what happens. And I think yes. that helps too. And not, and not <laughs> acting like, like we ourselves have all the answers. So then they have to have all of the answers too. Oh, I'm just savoring that for a moment. Like <laughs> I got that from one of my, right. like, I never took that messaging, right? Like that it was okay for me to, I mean, I still tried stuff, but man, was it at the expense of like so much (laughs) stress is this going to work? But yes, like how much freedom does that open up? And, and I mean, that's what makes amazing professionals, right? When you've, when you've done that moment to moment experimentation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as you go, and and give yourself that freedom to to do that um and and then knowing like if it goes a little off the rails you're not going to beat yourself up for it you're you're within enough so you can tweak you can course correct yep right um and just having that awareness and i think um also like letting yourself be creative too that that goes with that um, I think also just modeling that chunking, mm-hmm. chunking things down and, and uh, it's been 20 years for me since it is almost like we need like an executive functioning class because nobody, <laughs> right? Like nobody those are the things that you're just supposed to kind of like figure out how to do. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no one tells you things like, Hey, if you plan it this way, if you chunk your time this way, you'll be much more effective. Or if you like, they're just things that I feel like from all throughout school, we kind of just expect kids, whether they're typically developing or not to figure out instead of teaching them how to do it. And I think that's a lot of the, like, those, I don't know, those tropes of like millennials and Gen Z and all of those things that come from that. It's like, but did we ever tell them how to do this? Did we ever tell right. them how to work hard or how to play? Did we things? ever let them experiment? Mm-hmm. Yes. And experiment and find out what yes. works for them. Like, yes. Right? And tell them that's okay to do. Right. Yeah. 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 And how affirming. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I think, I think too, that just self-acknowledgement and self-affirmation and self-trust um, because, I mean, most of us were, we're pretty humble, right? That, which is, it actually can be really counterproductive because then we don't, we, we get trained out of trusting our instincts and our creativity. Yeah. Um, so finding little ways to honor that. I think is important. Yeah, I think so too. Um, one thing I was thinking, so if you have someone that like literally wants to like quit their job today, they're like, I am done. What's kind of your 911 SOS do this first before you decide that? Yeah. So first of all, I look at, because because usually what it is, 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 it's because they're so 
overwhelmed and they have so many what I call have tos. They have so many to to dos on their to do list. And so, first thing we do is like the schedule congruence thing. Mm-hmm. So let's just do the math of it. Let's take let's make it into math and not drama. And right. then see, quantify yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, let's do that part. And then from there, we might just make it. You know, I've had people that made a decision like, oh, it's literally. Impossible. Impossible. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then they they were replaced with like two other therapists. But anyway. right, right. Um, the other piece though is I say, you know, let's do a download of all your have-tos. And then we're gonna take all of your have-tos and we're gonna see if we can shift them into I choose to because I want to because. And see if we can get most of those into I'm choosing, you know, I'm choosing to work here because I do want to pay my electric bills. Right. And and that's an okay answer too. (laughs) And, and, and reminding ourselves like, Oh, and then do I like my reason? Do I like my reason for doing this. So shifting that. And then from there, if you don't like the reason to most of your have tos, that's where we need to talk about boundary setting. And sometimes that might mean quitting. It might for some people, Mm -hmm. usually, usually not Mm -hmm. in my experience, but um, you know, because that's a big financial privilege for a lot of people to just go and quit their their job but if you can give yourself space and recover I am not against that either Um, but if you can change those I have to's into I want to because and come up with enough of a reason that you like we we get there Mm -hmm. can't get to a reason that you like we start setting boundaries. And so that's when we have to start making some hard decisions. Right. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. Well, Angie, for the sake of time, I don't want to keep you for you know too much longer, but how can people reach out to you and, and to work with you or to learn more about the, you know, the life coaching that you offer? Yes. So there's my website, slpburnoutcoach.com. Mm-hmm. That has information. You can also join my free Facebook group, which is slpburnouts.com. And I have a lot of resources in there. I have the time journaling, the analyzing your time journal, all that stuff. We talked about the schedule congruence. I have all of that stuff for free in there, um, plus access to me and coaching from me in there. And then also just straight up Angie at angiemerced.com. Email me. I am here. I'm around. I'm on social media. And I love, I love helping people with this. So. Awesome. Well, well, thank you for, for joining us on the podcast and, and best of luck with everything that you're doing. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that was Angie Merced the SLP burnout coach. And 
in this day and age, we all are very concerned about that work-life balance and making sure we achieve that in some way. And I hope Angie continues to provide her services. And if you are feeling a little burned out and need some direction or just want to try to fall in love with what you're doing, give her, a, you know, reach out to Angie and see if she can uh, give you some help. Um, she's she's wonderful. And I really appreciate what she's doing. And uh, more people are going to be helped because of her. And that is always great to see. And it's always great to have you with us as a listener on this podcast. Uh, As you know, we want to continue to expand this podcast and attract additional subscribers, additional listeners. So we are really asking you to help us out and Reach out to friends and and colleagues that you have and let them know about the show. Let them know about the podcast and encourage them to subscribe. Or if you can't do that or don't want to subscribe, just leave us a five-star review. That does help us move up on the lists and it does help us uh, attract more eyes in a sense. And, uh, and if we can get more of more people to understand what we're about and that we exist, then we're going to get more subscribers and more listeners. So if you don't want to subscribe, that's fine. Just leave us that five-star review. And that's always very, very helpful too. So thank you very much. I hope to see all of you at ASHA, the American Speech Language Hearing Association. Their annual convention is both in-person and virtual this year. Going to be down in New Orleans this year, and I'm looking forward to getting out of the house a little bit and traveling and uh, seeing people again. So I hope you make it there if you are planning to do that. And there's some great presentations that are planned, uh, especially in that telepractice area. So take a look at what we have to offer. And with that, until next week, Be safe and be kind. This has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network.